0: and welcome to the Calm Birth Conversation podcast this is Karen Maclay and I will be having lots of wonderful conversations with experts and parents around pregnancy birth and parenting with the aim to help you to make informed choices and decisions around your own journey into parenthood this podcast is brought to you by Calm Birth Australia's leading childbirth education program is about midwifery led care and home birth. So I'd like to welcome Janine O'Brien and Jo Hunter who are amazing independent midwives um, here in Sydney. Jo um, is midwife Jo so if you're looking for Jo you can find her under a business name of midwife Jo and Janine is in with Ibirth, so if you look for her under Ibirth. So welcome, ladies, and thank you for joining me this evening. Would you like to each introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and and what what was your why have you become an independent midwife? What was your calling towards that? You go first, Jo.
1: Okay, um, I came to midwifery really from being a birthing woman, so I had um, four children, three of which were born at home with the same midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then I was a doula, I'd been a doula for 10 years. And um, I decided that I wanted to do midwifery. And basically I never planned to really work in the hospital, I just wanted to work in home birth. And at the time we were able to do that, We didn't. I didn't have to actually go and work in a hospital once I'd finished training. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did and 11 years later I'm still in private practice. Um, love it, love everything about it. Um I'm also co creating a documentary called Birth time which we've been filming for four years and it's, it's just about well it is it is actually complete, it's ready to go, but you know, because of the whole coronavirus thing we've had to put off the release of it. So
0: mm-hmm. that'll
1: be hopefully we'll be able to give some dates soonish when we know things are going back to bit back to normal. So yeah that's me.
0: Yeah fantastic. Excellent and Janine tell us a bit about you as well.
2: Um, I came into midwifery a little differently. I had had my two children very early on in my life and um, it it was a pivotal moment of giving birth myself to my second baby because my first baby was by Caesar that I realised that this is, I want to share this experience with the rest of the world. Like every woman needs to know how incredible this feeling is. So I'd already wanted to be a midwife and when I was a really little, little girl, I had a vision board from a very young age. I think I was about four or five. Um, so it was something I always wanted to do, but giving birth was actually what made me want to be a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so I started um, my career. I went through a different way. I went into nursing and then um and then into midwifery and went into the system first so home birth wasn 't really um, something that I had much experience from from early on. I knew it was something I wanted to do um, by seeing lecturers at uni, but it was kind of like this you know pie in the sky kind of ideal. Um, It was um, having two young children and being a single mum. It was quite hard back then to um, get set up, really. And then um, I worked my way through the system. So I went through a private hospital, then a public hospital, midwifery group practice, then a public-funded home birth program. Um, And look, you know, there were so many amazing births and experiences from doing it that way. However, it wasn't true women-centred care I found. And Mm -hmm. so it really led me out into private midwifery where I could actually work for the women and provide true continuity of care that was completely women-centred and and involved families as well. So, and that, yeah, where I am at what I just recently had my last baby who was born at home with Joe, which was Hands down, best experience that I've ever done. So now I think Joe, Joe, after I gave birth to Frankie, she said, "Um, uh, now you're you're walking the, you're walking the talk," <laughs> which was yeah, it was fantastic.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. That's excellent. And so tell me, Janine, what is an independent midwife and how do you support women through through pregnancy, labour and birth and also in that postnatal period? Because that continuity of care continues over for quite some time in that postnatal period, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does. And look, I think that's the most important part of having a private midwife. We work independently, so Joe and I work with a collective of midwives. We don't work in a group practice setting. We mm-hmm. work on our own and then we collectively come together and support each other to support families. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically we see women from the very, very early, um, uh, some of us, um, as early as most most women will contact us before they even conceive if not we're the, the second or third person that the women are actually telling after they find out they're pregnant um, and we provide care all the way through their pregnancy their birth and, and afterwards um, we know it's that relationship that makes good outcomes um, a uh, private midwife, um, Oh well, we have a huge scope of practice so um, and we also have to do lots of education, um, double what a hospital midwife might have to do. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add in there, Jo?
1: Um, we have to have done the um, pharmacology course as well, postgraduate um, studies, so that we can Uh, refer women for scans and write, um, you know, referrals for pathology and also certain um, things we can prescribe that's related to midwifery. That's another part of what we do as well. Um, What else? Um, In terms of the collective that we work with, there's 11 midwives in that collective now, um, kind of ranging from working from sort of Port Macquarie right down to Wollongong and across to Dubbo and all areas in between so and we all support each other in our in our practice so we all have our own clients Mm -hmm. um but then you know we come together to support each other as second midwives and you know education days and stuff like that so it's really it's it's great it's a really good little collective midwives actually it's it's Mm -hmm. proving to be very supportive isn't it it's great it's
2: amazing Yeah.
1: yeah yeah
0: Oh, that's fantastic! And so, how does how does the care of an independent midwife or a private practising midwife differ from the hospital setting? Apart from that continuity, so is there a difference in the timing of appointments? Um, you know, how long you look after them and carry on with them after they've had their babies? How does it work? What does it look like to be yeah. in the care of an independent?
1: We normally start. We normally start seeing women at twelve weeks. And the schedule is probably a little bit, probably see women a little bit more than the hospital setting does. Um, but our appointments are, usually last approximately an hour. Um, so most of that is really getting to know the woman and building a relationship and finding out what she wants from her birth experience and sharing information so she can make informed decisions about you know, whether she's gonna do certain tests or not. Nothing's compulsory, you know, it's up to her, it's really her choice what she wants to do um, as long as she's making an informed decision and we can help by um, sharing research and evidence-based information with her to make those decisions. Um, and then I guess that once the woman's in labor, you know, we, we go to her home and then we never leave. We don't leave until the baby's born. So we're not looking after people in different rooms or, you know, we, we're kind of there for the long haul. Um, depending on whether she's having a first baby or not, it would depend on when we call a second midwife in. That, you know, the, the rules now are to have two midwives at every home birth. Yeah. Um, so usually, if it's a first baby, the primary midwife will go until she's in good cracking labour, and we know the baby's along. Yeah, you're just cutting it. Um, oh, am I Yeah. We just lost
0: you a bit. Yeah, we just lost you a little bit.
1: What is here till until?
0: What are we hearing until? It was, it was kind of like... Um, until she's in
2: good cracking labour. Good cracking labour,
1: yeah. <laughs> so so if she's having her, her se- a second, third or fourth baby, usually the we would go at around the same time because normally it's a lot quicker for those births. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the, the actual birth, we go, you know, um, we, we're there for the long haul. We're not looking after other people in, in other rooms. So we kind of... I guess that for, for me that's where the safety lies in home birth is, one, the relationship with the woman and her family um, yeah. and really building up trust so that, you know, if, if I was to say or if Janine or any midwife was to say, you know, I think things are deviating from normal now and we need to transfer, that they would trust that that is the truth and that they would be happy to, to transfer and vice versa. If that yeah. woman is really feeling like she needs to go, even if there's not something clinically that's obvious, yeah, You know, if, if her intuition or whatever it is is telling her that she wants to go to hospital, then we would trust her and, and go with her. So that's probably the most important thing, it's along with being with her the whole time. Mm-hmm. So You know, when, when we're with a woman and she's having a normal physiological birth and there's no interventions, mm-hmm. it's very, very obvious when something deviates from normal because we can't blame it on anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't blame it on the Sinto drip. We can't blame it on the morphine that she's just had. You know, um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's very safe and very safe care, I feel,
2: yeah. 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 Okay. And, in that- and just to add in with what Joe said, you know, we we share not only evidence, we share the guidelines and the guidelines come from Australian College of Midwives. And again, they're guidelines, they're not rules. So whilst we might advise, suggest, recommend, the women make the decisions that's right for them. Cause not like when we, when I worked in a hospital, There's a lot of policies and procedures that are great for hospitals because they're big institutions, but they don't fit every family and every woman. And they also often don't reflect the current evidence base. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it takes quite a bit of time for current evidence to actually make its way into hospitals and to make its way into practice because a lot of practitioners have you know, often ways of doing things that maybe they've done um, for a while. So often it's women who will come to me and say, Janine, I've found this, and uh, and they're the ones that often teach me because they do. The women who are choosing to birth at home are often very well researched as well. And and, and actually,
1: to carry on from that, that's one of the beautiful things about being in private practice is that you know, um, like Janine said, there's actually. Study that shows that it takes about seven years for evidence-based practice to become into play. By the time that you know the the um, research is done, you know um, people have looked at it, the policies have changed in the hospital, and it actually filters down to you know practice. It's about seven years. So for us, we can read a piece of research and change our practice right then and there. We don't have to wait for policy change and that sort of thing. So that's a really that's a big bonus for us yeah
0: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and and in that postnatal period do you carry on for is it six weeks postnatal what does that look like and after the women give birth how often do you initially come to visit them and then and how does it look over that six week period
2: you go. Yeah, so we, we all go, we all, go um, we all have a different kind of thing that works for us, but more often than not, we usually see them about four to five times in the first week, sometimes more, especially if it's their first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then often, you know, sometimes weekly or, um, and then that's six weeks. So um, it's, you're, and you've, they've got our phone number, they know that they can contact us um excuse me my talking of babies <laughs> um if they need anything they call us and you know we're usually over um uh, whenever they need really um obviously there's a schedule of visits that works well um for most women um but but most of the time sorry um someone needed to be fed um most of the time you know um we I suppose the visits are very inclusive of information that um, is going to happen for the next little while. So often when birth goes well, women feel really confident in themselves and their bodies and, their, and, the, and things go well after birth usually when birth goes well. So feeding goes well. So when women are well educated with what's going to happen tomorrow, their fear is often not there. So they, they feel supported and educated.
1: And we are on the, on the end of the phone 24 seven. You know, so. Yeah. Been any question whatsoever, you know, they be surprised at some of the photos we get. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can <could> imagine. <laughs> I could imagine. And so I guess then what are the advantages of, for women for considering birthing at home? What, what's the research showing around birthing at home and, and, um, and what sort of women uh, would sort of, would you suggest this would be right for them to consider?
1: I mean, the research, the research shows that, I mean, particularly continuity of midwifery care in any setting, but certainly, home, you know, in, in the home, that, that there's less intervention mm-hmm. in home birth. Um, there's better outcomes for both women and babies, and there's higher levels of satisfaction for, for the women and their partners and their family. Um, You know, and that's looking at like versus like. I mean, often people will say, oh, of course, home birth's going to look better because we're just looking after low-risk women, but Mm -hmm. there's plenty of studies out there that look at just low-risk women birthing in a standard hospital model and low-risk women birthing in a home birth model, and and we know that the outcomes are better. Yeah. Um, And that's got to be because of the continuity.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know. And so is, is home birth really just for low-risk women? Like, or, or what women would you take on to birth at home? Who who chooses to birth at home? Well, there's, there's, I,
1: I... Go on. Sorry, Janine. No, you on. go. You
0: go. Um, there's there's
1: definitely, you know, there's there's definitely different schools of thought. So, so you have women who are really highly researched that are having their first babies and they, they see the benefits of it and they come to us and, you know those women usually go on and have fantastic experiences and then there's another group of women who are very traumatized from their last experiences in the hospital setting and they're not going back for seconds um and then they they find us that way um, that's kind of really the two the two main ones or all women who have had really great very easy experiences in the hospital and going you know what that was really easy i just want to stay home next time you know so Big cohort of women anything from you know corporate women right down to you know young 20 year olds who you know are having their first baby like it's there's no sort of yeah there's no sort of standard home birth woman really
2: <laughs> yeah and I think you know if women are making um, decisions when you talk about who um, risks and things all every it, I suppose there's risk in everything that we do and it's relative. And as long as the woman often and her family are well, and and it lands with the woman, the woman's the one that makes the final choices about herself and her body and her baby and her birth. But if she's well informed about like her own choices and what the options are or what could happen or, you know, what things we have in place, then you know, of course, we're going to work with her and what and what she decides. So, for example, I'd had a previous cesarean, and a lot of the time, you know, um, people say that, that that's not that's not you know safe to have a home birth after cesarean, when in fact the research actually says quite the opposite. Um, Hazel Keedle has some great research around um, home birth after cesarean caesarean and VBAC so um, I think again going back to the research and seeing what it what it says but also um, at the end of the day it's a woman's choice what she does with her body and it's a human right you
1: know and it's also it's also I mean where what do you think safety is as well I mean you know we've got we've got emotional safety as well as physical safety and that's a big factor and that's a very big factor for lots of women when we know one in three women are experiencing birth trauma in this country. Yeah. They're coming out of their births feeling traumatised. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's a big one in terms of even, you know, mothering their babies and, you know, postnatal depression and everything that comes from trauma. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. It's, emotional safety is just as important.
0: Absolutely. You're speaking, to, you're speaking to the converted on that one. With all of us here at Calm Both, we're very, very big on that emotional safety around birth. So... Um, what then I guess that leads us to that question, and that 's always the question that, that I know that I get asked regularly as an educator but also as a, as a practicing midwife as well is is it safe? Is home birth safe, and what happens if things don 't go to plan how How do you address those questions? How do you have those discussions with women and their families because often it 's their families, usually, as you said, the women are well researched but it 's the families that are getting into their ear a little bit or partners that are not comfortable with birthing at home. Do you want to go for it, Janine?
2: Yeah, so look, you know, it's part of the education process. You know, throughout the pregnancy, we talk about, you know, normal labor, normal physiology, um, what to expect, when to call the midwife, and also putting a plan in place. so um, all women have a local hospital, and we often um, it, it's important that she books into her local hospital. Um, some of us have practicing rights at Westmead, so we have, we're able to visit like a private obstetrician does. Um, and uh, continue to care for women um, nice. who either have higher risk factors, um, who might not feel safe to birth at home, um, or if birth deviates from normal at home, or if their pregnancy deviates. Um, so we can actually collaborate with an obstetrician. Um, however, at home, it, you know, we have oxygen, we carry on and drugs, etc. We have Um, IV equipment, cannulation, um, we have everything basically that you would have in a birth room at the hospital, um, but we also know that woman and that family really well, so it often is, like Joe was saying earlier, um, it becomes quite loud or quite... um, you're quite knowing when something's going off the normal garden pathway and often the woman will actually be the one that will say you know not always but sometimes she'll say something doesn't feel right or and that's it's actually quite an important thing for her to have her own realization that something's feeling different and we have a very honest conversations about what's going on and um, how does she feel you know how does her partner feel and you know, what about if we make our way into hospital? And most of the time, we have time, right, Joe? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, an, a true emergency is very rare. Mm-hmm. And w- the ones that do happen, true emergencies, mm-hmm. we're actually often very well upskilled midwives. We have, like I said earlier, we have to do double the amount of um, professional mm-hmm. um, education every year. Um, and that's because we don't have those buttons on the wall to press if there is an emergency and lots of people run in. We have two of us there that mm-hmm. know how to deal with obstetric emergencies um, while there's help on the way, which would often be an ambulance. Um, but, it, but saying that, Janine, it's
1: it's so rare. It's so rare that that happens, you know. Um, and what, because and we're what, not
2: it's, doing it's, things,
1: yeah, yeah to women. What we do know is the, the cascade of intervention, you know, like we, we're not intervening. Mm-hmm. Um, unless we really have to, um, and you know, whereas I don't want to bag the system out, but you know, if you you know, particularly with women who have had trauma in the past, you know, and we get their notes, and you can see exactly where it all started. You know, whether it, whether it's that Cinto drip that was put up, or whether it was the epidural that she had, and then it goes on to the next thing and the next thing, and you know, the trauma, the trauma comes from there. So at home, we're not doing any of that. Um, we don't have access to any of it, which, you know, I mean, we we call the deep water immersion in a birth pool the home birth is epidural, you know, so. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's normal physiological birth, and if it deviates out of that, then we go to hospital. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, So with that, so if a woman wants to have an independent midwife and the care of an independent midwife, but she's not comfortable birthing her home, Janine, you were saying that there are some midwives, independent midwives or private practicing midwives that do have visiting rights to hospitals where they can actually take their women in and their women follow them into the hospital and the women still birth in hospital, but under that care of that midwife. Is that right?
2: That's right. There is um, a couple of us in the collective, and then there's some other midwives in Sydney that actually provide that service as well. But it's only one hospital, so it's through Westmead, and they have to engage with a private obstetrician as well. Um, It does come at an extra fee, so it ends up being quite expensive for those women who do choose that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Okay. um, Do do women get rebates? Any rebates coming um, with privately practicing midwives?
1: Yeah. So there's there's a Medicare rebate for there's Medicare item numbers for antenatal and postnatal care. So some of that care is covered by Medicare. Uh, There's no there's currently no Medicare item number for intrapartum care. So labour and birth care there isn't a number, and we're really trying to lobby the government and push for that at the moment. to get more affordable for women. Because obviously that part of the care is quite expensive because we're paying a second midwife out of that fee as well. Um, And, you know, I think, I mean, hospital bed stay is the biggest, you know, sorry, maternity is the biggest number of hospital bed stay. And if we look at how expensive that is, you know, it would be in the government's best interest to actually start supporting women birthing in the community. And, you know, financially more than, you know, apart from everything else that we know is, Um, fantastic about it Um, the the, you know from a financial perspective it's actually a lot cheaper
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah
0: Yeah, beautiful and Joe your documentary birth time that's about women birthing outside of the system isn't it did you want to tell
1: It's it's actually not it's actually about um, continuity of midwifery care right and and wherever the woman chooses to birth
0: that
1: that could be in hospital it could be at home it could be in a birth center um, and, it's, and it's about, you know, one, you know, the, the message really is one woman, one midwife, regardless of where she's birthing, what her risk factors are, um, what her socioeconomic status is. You know, we know that outcomes are better in that model of care. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer that all women should have access to their own midwife. Mm,
0: absolutely. And the research is incredibly strong with that. Yeah. Um, with that as well so and slow I mean it's taking its time we have moments in our system where it takes off and then it gets dampened down again and um, so hopefully one day we will get there and see that okay now finally what would your advice be to expecting couples who are doing their research and are considering all their options for care around um, birth and that postnatal period what would, what would your advice be to them when they're considering all options? How would you t- sort of talk to them about that?
1: I think it's, I think it's about where their comfort level lies, really. I mean, home birth isn't for everybody and that's okay. You know, if they're, if they're not feeling comfortable with that, then that's not a good idea for that particular woman. Um, you know, definitely doing your research and talking to some midwives, you know, having a bit of a chat and getting your partner involved in that as well because it's important to have your partner on board. Um often often the partners that are the most reluctant to start off with are the biggest supporters at the end. That tends to be the way it goes. Yeah. Um do you have anything to add to that, Janine?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, always um um listen to what you what you feel inside yourself is the right thing for you. And um, you know, I've birthed across all models of care now and um and I know for me birthing in an undisturbed environment with my physiology doing what it's supposed to do um, for me was the safest thing this time around. Um, um, But I remember Joe saying, there was a saying um, that a woman, I can't remember who the woman is, but first intervention in birth is when you walk out your front door. Who says that, Joe?
1: Oh, it was, was it Marston Wagner? I
2: couldn't think it was Marston Wagner from...
0: I remember reading that too,
2: yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it, it... When Dr. um, um, Sarah Buckley talks about undisturbed birth and, you know, it truly is one of the most and can be one of the most amazing days in your life and surrounding yourself with the right support and in the space that feels right for you is my biggest suggestion, whether, you know, you know, Finding the midwifery group continuity of care model Um, or if there's not one available at your hospital, start getting one, lobbying one with your local government to start, you know, because we know the evidence is there that it truly is, you know, a gold standard of care for women and all women around Australia should have access to it. And yet I think we're only at, 12 percent
1: yeah Sorry. um i don't even know if it's that high actually
2: yeah okay yeah, it
0: changes
2: yeah. so much yeah. yeah so you know at least find yourself a care provider that you're going to know that you're going to have throughout your entire journey would be my suggestion
1: and that and that aligns with your philosophy you know i mean you need to find somebody if you're if you're really wanting to have a very normal, natural birth, and you're into natural therapies, and you want to go with your physiology, then probably a private obstetrician is not really the right person for you. You know, and vice versa. You know, if you if you're wanting to have a lot of the intervention, and if you, you want to have an epidural, and you want to, you know, have all the things, which is absolutely a human right to do that, then home birth midwife is probably not the right person for you. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's right. Look, it's it's all about choice, isn't it? And that's probably the most important thing and something that I always tell women is that you know, for women to have the best birth experience, they need to feel that safety, they need to feel calm and they need to be well supported and, and private in that space. And, um, and that means birthing wherever their intuition is telling them is the right place at the right time. But it's also about getting educated. There's, it's amazing the amount of, of women who, who still don't know that they have options in care and, and that's the most important. get educated, make informed decisions, and then whichever way you go will be the right way. For you. Yeah. yeah
2: it's one of the things i find quite um just very surprising every time after um i facilitate a calm birth course it's the couples that will say well, you know what's the biggest thing you've learned out of doing this course and they'll say i didn't know i could say no or i didn't know i had a choice and and that that's huge for a woman you know who's often you know Maybe got one or two degrees, but she still doesn't know that she has a choice over her own bodily autonomy to say no. Um, So yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's very much about how we share information with women as well. You know, I mean, I could say to I could say to a woman, you've got, you know, um, I don't know. Let me try and think of an example. You've got a, you know, ten percent more chance of something happening to you, but when you actually look at the numbers of that, it's it's very small in terms of Mm -hmm. the numbers, statistically how you you look at it. So it's it's really about how, you know, we have a lot of power as practitioners, whoever we are, whether we're obstetricians or midwives, to um, sway women into the way that we want them to go in in, in the way that we share information with them.
0: Yeah. Um, I think
1: it's a big responsibility for us to do that really honestly um, and with integrity and, you know, that doesn't always happen
0: no that's right language is really powerful you can say the same thing in different ways and it have completely different meanings yeah to to women and i and i I agree with you it needs to be given in a very neutral way so as the woman really feels that she you know this is this is you know the pros and the cons to it how do you feel about that what questions have you got it i love um, millie hill talks about you know your your body your your birth your baby and i think that's Exactly what it is. It's about yeah. being, realizing that women are in charge of their journey, yeah. and that the caregivers are there to support them, not manage them.
1: Yeah, and, and and also the lovely thing about actually birthing a home is that we're, you know, we're we're invited into women's homes. It's not our domain, which is very different to a hospital setting. You know, when a woman goes in, and her partner, particularly the men, I think, or partners with female partners, um when they go into a hospital setting, that it's kind of a very foreign space and it's it's almost like it's not their space. You know, it's yeah. very hard to, particularly for partners to feel comfortable in that setting. Um, and with home birth, we're invited into their space, so it's their domain and, you know, they're in control of what's happening. Um, and, you know, like I said before, hopefully the relationship is, is, is such that, you know, we, we trust each other and, you know, if anything does deviate, then we, we go. But... Yeah, I think I feel like the the venue is pretty important too. Actually,
2: yeah, 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 yeah and it's their germs as well. Their beautiful microbiome, which you know, is incredibly important. We know for babies, uh, for that birthing experience as well
0: yeah yeah absolutely beautiful well thank you so much for having a chat with me tonight i really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy busy schedule i know joe you've been very busy today and um and you know keep doing your amazing work that you're doing i think it's incredible that that um you're you're really working to empower women and keep and bring back that power give them back that power in that birth space which i think
2: is really really important
1: Thanks, Karen. It's great to talk. Thanks,
2: Karen. No, No worries.